1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, two, Saul chose him three thousand men of Israel, whereof two thousand were with Saul in Michmas and in the Mount of Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan in Gibeath Benjamin, and the rest of the people he sent every man to his tent. Now the Bible will explain later that Jonathan is Saul's firstborn son. Jonathan is in charge of 1,000. Now, this is a very tiny army, but that's not a problem with God. In fact, God prefers small armies because he wants to take all the glory whenever the Israelites win. 3. And Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the horn throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Saul's firstborn son, Jonathan, attacked the garrison of the Philistines and killed a whole bunch of them. And his father blew a horn all throughout the land. For, and all Israel heard say that Saul had smitten the garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel also had made himself odious with the Philistines. And the people were gathered together after Saul and Gilgal. They attribute this victory to Saul because when Saul blew the horn, it made people think that he was the one who had won the battle. Saul is a narcissist, and narcissists love to take credit for things that they haven't done. That's one of their traits. 5. And the Philistines assembled themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pitched in Michmas, eastward of Beth-Avon. The Philistines now want to fight Israel. Israel has an army of 3,000, and the Philistines have 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and so many footmen that you can't even count how many footmen they have. This is a massive army, but this isn't a problem for God. With God, all things are possible. 3,000 men can defeat 100,000. 6. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves, and in thickets, and in rocks, and in holds, and in pits. Now remember in a previous book, during one of the oppressions of the pagans, the Israelites had actually carved out caves for them to hide in. And so every time the Israelites get afraid, they're going to be able to run to these caves for protection. And so that's what they've done. It said they're in a strait, so I'm assuming that's a straight valley where you can't really get out. There's just caves on both sides where the hill goes up. So they've ran into the hills and into the caves. 7. Now some of the Hebrews had gone over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. But as for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. They're afraid of Saul, but they're also afraid of the pagans, and they're following Saul, holding on to his shirt tail. And a few of the Israelites have fled across the Jordan into Gad to try to get as far away from the pagans as possible. 8. And he tarried seven days, according to the time set that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. Now remember, a couple of chapters back when Samuel anointed Saul as king, he gave him this instruction. He said, Meet me in Gilgal, wait seven days, and then I'll be there. Saul did go to Gilgal, and he did wait seven days, but part of the instruction was that he is not supposed to offer up any offerings until Samuel gets there, and Samuel hasn't arrived yet. That was the last part of the instruction, was to wait for me to arrive. 
but the people are already leaving Saul because they don't have enough faith to wait on the Lord. Since Samuel isn't there, they've lost their courage and they're starting to go home. And this bothers Saul because Saul is a narcissist and narcissists can't handle life without groupies. So when the people start straggling off and going home, that really messes with Saul's ego. 9. And Saul said, Bring hither to me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Now he does this to call people back to get their attention and say, Look, something's happening. We aren't just standing here doing nothing. When people see the burnt offering going up, that might make them have courage and return to Saul. And that's what he's most concerned about. He isn't concerned about following God's instructions. He just wants people to follow him. 10. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. He wants public recognition from Samuel. 11. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines assembled themselves together against Michmas. Saul is trying to help God, and that's something that we shouldn't do. Saul is saying, well, you weren't here, the days had passed, the Israelites are leaving, the pagans are gathering into formation, and I just thought I had to do something, is what Saul is saying. That happens to all of us. That's happened to me before, too, where I've tried to help God because I thought, nothing's happening, I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. But that shows a lack of faith. We need to wait on the Lord. Because remember, with God all things are possible. Even if seven days passed and the prophet hasn't shown up, still with God all things are possible. He doesn't need our help. He needs us to obey him. 12. Therefore said I, now will the Philistines come down upon me to Gilgal, and I have not entreated the favor of the Lord. I forced myself therefore and offered the burnt offerings. Saul had no faith. He thought the Philistines were going to attack him and that he had to offer the burnt offering against the Lord's instructions to avoid this attack. But with faith, there's nothing to be afraid of. 13. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of thy God. What matters the most is always that we obey. It's not that we play the hero and do a bunch of things. You know, a lot of people think if they have a booming ministry that they're in favor with God. And that isn't true at all. What makes us in favor with God is when we obey his commandments. A lot of people do not listen to the Lord. They don't obey him. They don't follow the commands that are in the Bible. But as long as their ministry is going well, they're satisfied. But God sees things completely different. He looks at our heart and sees all the pride that's in there. And he sees that we're not obeying his commands because we fear him, but we're doing our own thing because we fear men and we want glory from men. And he sees through it all. And those people, when they go before the throne on Judgment Day, all that ministry work is going to go up as hay and stubble. That's what Jesus said. It'll be burned in the fire as hay and stubble. But they'll still be saved. They'll still go to heaven. But the works that they did will not be honored before the Lord, because they did it to glorify themselves. And Samuel continues to say, For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. Samuel says, If you had obeyed the commandment, God would have established your kingdom forever. But God knew that he wouldn't. And I think that's why God pulled him out of the tribe of Benjamin, because Benjamin isn't the kingly tribe. 
14. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath appointed him to be prince over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Samuel says, There's already another man who the Lord has already picked out to take your place. You will not have an established kingdom. Your kingdom will die with you. This is a terrible curse, and this must have really bruised Saul's ego big time. This must have been the worst news that he could have possibly heard. But instead of repenting and asking God for forgiveness, he digs his heels in deeper to his self-pride, protecting his ego. 15. And Samuel arose and got him up from Gilgal unto Gibeath Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people that were present with him, about 600 men. Saul counted how many men were left. He had 3,000. Now he's only got 600. 16. And Saul and Jonathan his son and the people that were present with them abode in Gibeath Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in Michmas. 17. And the spoilers came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned unto the way that leadeth to Ophrah, unto the land of Shal. Now a company is a hundred soldiers. There's three groups of a hundred soldiers from the Philistines coming out to raid the Israelites and take all of their wealth. 18. And another company turned the way to Beth Haran, and another company turned the way of the border that looked down upon the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. 19. Now there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. The smithies, the guys who melt metal and turn it into war instruments, they were not allowed to be in Israel because the Philistines didn't want them to make war instruments for the Hebrews. 20. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his plowshare and his coulter and his axe and his mattock. They're going to use their farm tools as weapons since they weren't allowed to have legitimate war weapons. 21. And the price of the filling was a pim for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks with three teeth and for the axes and to set the goads. Now a goad is also a farm tool. And these are really dangerous tools that can kill people. If you hit somebody with a goad, you can knock a huge crater into their skull. A coulter is a plowshare and a mattocks is a tool. It kind of looks like a giant hammer. They had to pay a pim for a mattock. And a pim is two-thirds of a shekel. 22. So it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. But with Saul and with Jonathan his son was there found. Only Saul and his son Jonathan have actual weapons, but everybody else who fights with them is going to be using farm tools. 23. And the garrison of the Philistines went out unto the pass of Michmas. We'll find out in the next chapters what happens in this battle. Saul and Jonathan are both great warriors, so they're definitely going to fight to their utmost, even though Saul's kingdom has been cursed. And that concludes 1 Samuel chapter 13.